0: Hi and welcome to Fat Free Film, I'm Joel Marshall and we are here at the National Conference for Media Reform in Boston, it's 2011, April, and I am lucky enough to be sitting here with uh, a do-it-yourself filmmaker, uh, very high standards, uh, Taki Oldham, and uh, welcome.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So I just saw uh, your film, it's called uh, The Billionaire's Tea Party. Yes. And it was an excellent film, and extremely um, gutsy of you, I think, because uh, Taki, you're an Australian, right? He's an Australian fellow. How long have you been here in the United States?
1: On and off. Uh, This is my third trip. So I came here once to make it, um, mainly around late 2009. Then I came back to kind of update it uh, and do some first round of promotions in late 2010, and then this is my third time back now. So, um, yeah, on and off over the last couple of years.
0: So you're not uh, based here, you're based in Australia?
1: Uh, well, yes, but I have been based in the Dominican Republic for the last four months.
0: Wow, <laughs> so um, uh, the interesting thing about this film is it's about the Tea Party and it takes a look at, um, from the inside, the, the Tea Party organization, and then also uh, it, it delves into the roots of the Tea Party, which, according to the film, are not necessarily grassroots, uh, not necessarily not not grassroots at all. In fact, um, can you tell me how you got interested in this topic?
1: Yeah, well, the original film is actually called AstroTurf Wars, um, which is a 90-minute film that was released late last year. And then, when I got the distributor on board, um, and they said, look we have, it's very difficult to sell feature length documentaries, there's very few slots around the world that actually show them, uh, TV broadcasters, and the ones that do, you're kind of getting your academy award winning, high budget films, Um, they're often booked like a year, two years in advance, because there's so many great feature length documentaries out there, and so few slots to show them, that it's really advisable to also cut a shorter version, you know, 50 to 55 minute version. Uh, which i hadn't done originally uh, but a lot of people do i mean when you i did it all myself i paid for it myself and and um, so I didn't have a broadcaster saying we demand as part of your pre-sale mm-hmm. a 50-minute version and a feature link so basically when it came to uh, i cut it down and made it more about the Koch brothers these billionaires who are basically through through groups that they fund have helped infiltrate and dictate some of the language of the tea parties, to make them very pro-business, very anti-government. Um, that's that's the background. Now, what got me into the film originally was this idea of astroturfing, and that's the idea of creating fake grassroots groups that are effectively acting as a public grassroots face for what is often corporate interests. It could be government, I mean, historically, despots are the ones who have used these kind of things. You know, Stalin did it in the in the 40s but the 50s and um, but yeah for example in my film we look at how the healthcare industry and the the fossil fuel industry have used these and I was very interested in that Um, that was the time when Obama had just come in and they just said they're going to reform the healthcare system they're going to get climate change legislation and so a lot of these groups they're kind of like they're like mushrooms they they um, they spread up overnight fully formed these, these astroturf groups, these fake grassroots groups, with names of things like, you know, citizens for healthcare, um, or patients first, or this and that, and so that's what interested me. And then the Tea Party movement arose, uh, and so basically I realised that the same groups I'd already been looking at were suddenly also helping to organise a lot of the Tea Parties. And so I said, okay, well let's look at this astroturfing concept through three different things, which is the healthcare debate the climate change debate and the rise of the Tea Parties. And then, as I said before, when it came down to to cutting the shorter version of the film, I I pretty much just focused on the Tea Parties.
0: Wow, so as an Australian, were you in Australia and you were looking at this from Australia or were you in the United States and you looked around? Or how did you get interested in American politics from, you know, another country?
1: Well, I mean this is this is one of those things where it's a combination of good planning and good luck. Um, I think that I was the first one to really make a film about the tea parties, even though some other ones have come out around the same time as mine. They were they were started a lot later than mine, and that's mainly because I was I was smart enough to realise something was happening, but I was also lucky because I'd been researching a lot of these groups beforehand, and I just happened to be wanting to make a film, as I said, around astroturfing and fake grassroots groups. From Australia, America is the best place to do this because we don't... America. Especially around the climate issue Um, like a lot of what happens in America and the think tanks which are this other side of this corporate funded you know supposedly independent except they're not they're not citizens they're corporate funded uh, policy experts but again it's this whole kind of thing of funneling money through supposedly independent third parties Uh, I was America's kind of the home of all that stuff Um, and so I was really looking at America anyway Mm -hmm. and so I I was in Australia. I was researching the topic and um, yeah I mean that's the beauty of the internet now you know you can do and and the other thing is I was able to piggyback on some incredible research by independent journalists through a lot of blogs um, and follow the money trail through the internet. Mm -hmm. It's
0: one of the things that we're talking about here at the National Conference for Media Reform. The reason that I'm here is because I believe that um, media is going through a very, I, I mean I think this is completely true, it's, it's changing so much and so fast lately that we want to make sure that it remains in the hands of the people that, um, that, remains in the hands of the people essentially and not into the hands of um, big corporations only as if, you know, just like cable television is now or, or any kind of um, media as we're used to it but the internet remains ours to be able to express ourselves in ways such as this and ways uh, that he's doing here, Um, so that's what this conference is about and I recommend people come to this conference um, when it happens, I don't think it happens yearly but it happens periodically and it's worth coming here I tell you. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about, uh, this is the, the, one of the really interesting things about this film is that you did it all yourself, I mean is that from start to finish? What made you think you could do such a thing?
1: Um, Pig headedness. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, the thing is about being a filmmaker is I think you have to be slightly, a bit of a, a slightly unreasonable person and a bit of a dreamer. You know, I think if you're a practical person who wants things to be certain and in place, you'd, probably, you'd never, you're in the wrong industry because, you know, so many things, there's so many times of people telling you, oh, it's ridiculous that it's not going to happen. And you, you've got to have that. Uh, you've got to be able to <laughs> irrationally see the likelihood of something coming off when maybe the chances aren't that great and um, you know I've I kind of came I'm I'm a product of this generation where um, you've got digital cameras you know and you don't need to be an expert to operate them and you don't even have to know how to change film and all that sort of stuff and you've got radio mics now you know like what we're doing here you know you don't need Someone operating a boom and doing your microphones and, and that stuff. Um, everything's a lot more portable. So I had the equipment already. Um, over the years, I'd sort of got myself you know, an audio kit and, and um, a decent camera. Uh, Which kind of camera did you use? I used a Sony, um, it's pretty much obsolete now, but the HDV uh, Z1, Sony yeah.
0: Z1. Does that have a tape? That's tape. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think. I'm definitely going to upgrade for the next film, because one of the interviews I shot, I borrowed a camera from someone, and mine's... How technical is this?
0: Uh, As technical as you want it to be.
1: Okay. So, yeah, I mean, with HCV, it's that... It's not full HD, it's 1440 resolution, and it's kind of blown up a bit, and I shot one on one of the new cameras with beautiful full HD, and it puts myself to shame. So, that... But look, the thing is, and I know I sell this to people, I mean, shoot in widescreen, don't shoot in the old sort of 4x3 format, but it's really about, you know, don't let the technicals get in your way. I used a camera, I was very familiar with it. Um, I'm used to shooting on it, you know, I'm not in any way a professional videographer. Um,
0: Did you go to film school?
1: I went to film school, but that was like one year, mm-hmm. a one-year, a one-year post-grad thing that, um, you know, there's so much to learn in a year. Mm-hmm. but. Yeah, you, I think the n- the amount of time, for example, we spent on how to hold a camera um, was maybe <laughs> four or five days. But um, it's just years of you know years of trial and error and editing yourself um, and realizing that you need to get good coverage. You, know, you if you're going to shoot. When you
0: say coverage. What do you
1: mean? Okay, so let's say you're going to shoot, um, and if, uh, even an interview. So I mean, say you, say you're doing a about your coming here Mm -hmm. you know coverage will be definitely things like you need to get an exterior shot of the building um, some people may be wandering around in the hallways um, you know just some things that give a sense of place You know, you don't just go bang straight into something necessarily, I'm not telling you how to do your job.
0: No, this is great. Please do. (laughs) That's what we're doing here.
1: Uh, (laughs) We're uh, learning,
0: we're all mutually learning how to do our job.
1: But I mean, all of that stuff, or for example, getting, um, getting Atmos tracks. So if you're going to do an interview, everywhere you shoot has a sound. You might think it's silent, but it may be this, a low hum of an air conditioning unit or the street going by or birds or whatever. And you realize that, uh, oh shit, I filmed something. Sorry about that. I swear all you want. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you're saying, um, you know, I, I've shot something and I realize I haven't got an exterior shot, which means it's, I've made that mistake and it's difficult. But next time you remember, you learn by making mistakes. Um, you mentioned this thing, um, I, I call it room tone. Yeah, room you know? tone. It would basically,
0: you, you let the camera, or the sound at least, run. And don't let anybody say anything. You say, okay, quiet on set. And then you just listen to whatever. Because like you say, there's air conditionings and things going on. And because when you go back to sound edit, a lot of times you need that bed of sound just to be able to um, make it smooth. Because what'll happen is you'll try and take out a sound. And then when you take out that sound, it also takes out the room tone. And it drops off. The sound drops off. And it's alarming to the viewer. They're like, did my sound just go out? So you need that little bit of room tone to throw in there.
1: Yeah. And, and then
0: you also talked about establishing shots so that people know you Yeah. Know, like when you watch a television show whether you realize it or not they'll show the outside of a house and then they'll show the people inside the house and oftentimes the, the inside the house is actually a set somewhere but you there's a language to film that says hey we're in this house and we know that now when you show a house the next scene they're gonna be in that house probably um, so you have to do that when you're shooting a documentary as well
1: yeah I mean, obviously with documentary, you don't quite know exactly what's going to happen. So you're going to use a lot of what they call cutaways, which is where basically you'll put a shot that maybe isn't someone's talking, you're interviewing me and I'm talking about something and you'll show an image that relates to that. But often that's used to disguise maybe a cut where you've put spliced two of my answers together, you know. Mm -hmm. And so it's about you just learn to get all that stuff. And so, you know, pretty much... I just um, yeah, grabbed my camera, and I happened to have my own equipment, and, um, you know, and you make mistakes and you buy yourself, but you know, it was fun, it was fun traveling around America, and I drove to like six different states. And wow,
0: how did you, um, you know, a lot of times you have to shoot yourself, like for instance right now we're shooting ourselves. Uh, We don't have a camera operator. We don't really know what it's going to look like. Um, You know, you kind of frame it. How did you manage to shoot things like? I noticed one scene. You're actually in the car, and you kind of put the camera down in the uh, on the other seat. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, They're all in the car.
1: Any shot of me in the film, except for one where I'm, I'm, I think, putting on a shirt. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in the car because it was like the only time I could really film myself. There was that one part
0: too where you got up to introduce yourself at one of these tea parties that you infiltrated and you gave it to, gave the phone Yeah, I I used the phone camera.
1: Look, I mean, that's the thing, you know, I used twice, in the feature-length version, I actually used the phone camera twice. Um, you know, one, because I kind of went undercover into an event that I didn't have permission to film in. And, you know, you saw it, it's fine, I mean, you know, it's just showing a little... I love the the way
0: you gave it to the lady she turned it upright and then you turned it horizontally because <laughs> that's something I've noticed about this is something to know about like the iPhone camera is we get used to when we shoot still cameras still shots that we turn the camera all different ways and you find in the editing room if you turn the camera like that it gets you in a lot of trouble because you're, you're dealing with a maybe a 16 by 9 uh, frame and then you turn it like that and all of a sudden now if you want to keep that shot continuous, continuous, you'll have to pull away from it, make it really small, and then rotate it through uh, final cut or something like that. And it's really kind of a pain in the ass. So it's better to keep it horizontally like that. Yes. Um, but that's something we learn, and those are actually really useful cameras. These phone cameras now. Huh?
1: Did you use phone cameras as well besides that shot? Not in not in this version of the film, but yeah, I, this is quite funny actually because when I used it. uh, basically I infiltrated a group that were calling themselves Energy Citizens and it was all just they were basically all run by the American Petroleum Institute and it was a front group opposing energy legislation in late 2009 Um, and I'd heard that they weren't letting anyone who didn't, it was all invitation only, like you know, like all grassroots things, invitation (laughs) only Um, and so I kind of yeah, dressed up and said I was some some energy company or something and, and, and went in there but I was a bit sort of paranoid about you couldn't just kind of hold the camera up and just start filming because yeah. so I, I was like pretending I was speaking on the phone oh and my I, God. and then That's I was great. kind of holding it up like this to my ear but it yeah. was horizontal so it was kind of filming but of course then you've got you can't actually see what you're filming so you're just hoping I just remember, the, if you actually listen to what I'm saying, I keep on talking about, oh, yeah, let's buy, you know, widgets. Yeah, those widgets, <laughs> those widgets. <are> okay.
0: <laughs> was it hard as far as you got a lot of people to talk directly to camera? Was that difficult to do? And it, when you did it, did you have to do anything, like have them say, I consent to be filmed? Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, everyone, I, uh, any anyone that was like a sit-down interview or it was like someone I was kind of, catching in a lie, I got them to sign a release form and I used the release form that Sasha Baron Cohen used for Borat. Where did
0: you get it? On the internet? Just
1: downloaded it from the internet. Oh I mean my I,
0: gosh, that's great.
1: I basically changed it slightly because in his, he uses the words like documentary like production or something that, that had like a, a, a slight... Um, disclaimer against, next to the word documentary, because obviously it wasn't a documentary, but in mine it was a documentary. Uh, but it basically says that you you assign all rights to be portrayed in any single manner, uh, uh, you know, that, that no matter, there's no... Basically saying that I could be lying from my teeth and telling you who I am or what this is for, but you still have absolutely no rights. And the reason why I use that is, one, because obviously I was, I was telling a lie to catch a lie. You know, these guys are dishonest, they're PR people, and they're spinning a line about the fact that they're really a citizens group when in fact they're often funded by big big companies and wealthy individuals um, so I had no problem lying to them um, but at the same time obviously there's legal issues potentially involved in that and the Borat thing, they got sued a bunch of times but for misrepresentation and they won every case and so I figured that was a good, good starting point and then just general vox pops kind of man in the street kind of thing. What does that mean, Vox Pops? It's Vox Populi, I think it's some kind of Latin, it's basically what they, uh, just kind of when you do, sort of, just go and get people's opinions in the street or out at events. Um, And... uh,
0: did you have to uh, um, adopt an American accent to fit in? No, that,
1: that being an Australian was the best possible thing for me because no one suspected that I was some kind of like left-wing intruder.
0: That's so funny. I always say, um, I'm an actor as well, and I always say that I'm going to adopt an Australian accent because a lot of times people just, at least in America, they just love Australians. And a lot of times you'll see the actors go up to get their award and you think they're an American actor, and all of a sudden they'll have this British accent or this Australian accent in particular. Um, yeah so you sometimes it probably makes it so people like you even better
1: yeah exactly and it's like you're, you're more of a novelty than a threat you know I mean you're so far away from home um, and you've, people are just like you've come all this way for our tea parties and, you know, and they just they were just interested and, and they wanted to share um, and people were passionate um, about what they were doing and, um, yeah that
0: was one of the things that really struck me about your film too is that you portrayed these people um, in a way that I just felt like I th- personally I'm going to give my own personal political opinion but I felt like they were misinformed they were good people who wanted uh, things that all of us want but they were just misinformed and, um, and I thought that was a real strong point of your film
1: yeah I mean I tried I, I certainly uh, you know you have to show a bit of the, the craziness because mm-hmm. it's just too good to not put on film but at the same time I think yeah, I tried to. Yeah, I said I tried to show what I thought. I mean, this is the thing about documentary. I mean, there's no such thing as the truth. There's no such thing as the objective truth. Mm-hmm. That would I,
0: be extremely boring if you just set up a camera for twenty four yeah. hours and watch people's truth. Yeah, you know what I mean, this is really what it's
1: like. But even boring. that, even that, they'd have to be, they'd have to be unaware they're being filmed because as soon as you're aware of you being filmed, you beha- change your behaviour. Mm-hmm. So basically, all you can do is show the truth as you see it. As, as an individual and yeah the way I saw it is I I saw the majority of the people yeah, were genuinely good well-meaning people who were being misled and there was definitely elements of racisms and, and people who just were genuinely pissed off Republicans or whatever but mm-hmm. I mean for me I was not interested in that aspect I was interested in the corporate aspect but um, and for them you know I, I always I just said I, I was vague. but I brought out lie would sort of say, look, I'm doing a film about the Tea Party, the Tea Party movement, the rise of the Tea Party movement, um, and just got a verbal, verbal release because it's too hard. I mean, if you don't have a producer or someone with you, and you're out.
0: Yeah, so you're there, and you're doing the releases, and you're carrying. You, were you carrying around a bag? Or oh yeah, I, had a, I
1: was like, a, I was like thinking myself of like a, a camel or something the whole time I was there. I was permanently had. They're great. Um, it's an Australian company. I can't remember the crumpler. And they just do these kind of bags that they're padded bags. They have little areas for you to put all your cameras. Are they in. just
0: for filmmaking?
1: They're all different types, mm. but um, they sell them in the states as well. But they've really good little pockets, and you know, they're quite expensive. They're like three hundred bucks. But you can dump, you can get your bag, you can drop your bag, and have, have all the different pockets for your batteries and mm. and. and um,
0: what did you do about sound?
1: Uh, I use. I always used a combination of just a radio mic and I used an, a nice good on-board mic. So, so you had like
0: a handheld mic as well?
1: No, I just had um, just like one that was attached to the camera. Mm-hmm. But it was, I made sure, like you never used the camera mic that comes with the cameras because they're, they're crappy. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get a good mic, a shotgun mic, that's quite directional. And then... Um, and then if you can, yeah, you've just got a little... I mean, this is some of the things that, like... You know, I, there's so many times in that film, I think the sound came out really well, actually, but mm-hmm. so often I do things like... Um, I'd have to, like, I'd be at an event, so what you do is you want to get people talking on stage, you put your little radio mic next to a microphone, next to speakers, one of the speakers, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you're roving around, and you could be, as soon as you swing a camera away from stage, for example, if you're using the onboard mic, the quality of the sound changes.
0: Oh yeah. Right?
1: But yep. if you've got a radio mic over there, I mean ideally you want it maybe plugged into the into the mixing board or something, but if you can't, you just pop the radio mic up to near one of the mic of the speakers and make sure it's not getting too much distortion.
0: Do you get any feedback or anything from no, something like that? No.
1: Okay. I mean you need to be careful of the volume, but sometimes you don't put it right up next to it. But um, things like that, you know, it's just uh, you know it's it's crazy. I mean, it's a nutso thing to do to be a sort of filmmaker running around to those events.
0: Were you ever um, scared? I mean, nah. doing this thing? No.
1: No. No. Fearless. I was, <laughs> uh, no, it just wasn't. It was never physically threatening yeah. to me. Um, I was. As
0: a person from Australia, I mean, did you feel like more in danger because you were from another country and you were infiltrating something, or you know, possibly? Might there might be something illegal or something where you could end up in a Turkish prison no, an American prison. I don't know. Um
1: No, I mean I think any ethical or issues would potentially come later. Like I didn't think at the time. There was nothing. I I was I was careful, you know, I because I didn't quite know exactly where the film was going, um, there was so many times when I wanted to ask questions or do things but that could have potentially blown my cover that I just resisted I didn't ask a question I was burning to ask or something because um, these, you know all these PR people in, in DC and, and that whole thing I mean everyone's all the ta- anti-tax groups and stuff they're all it's a really incestuous little group and so if you some guy one suspects you and then they happen to see you at another event and they tell the organizers oh this guy's dodgy he's he's, you know, I think he's, he's actually trying to expose us. You know, it just kind of ruins everything. So I was, I was pretty low-key. As a tall, I mean, this is what I say in the long Beach. I mean, it's, it's low-key as a six-foot-four Australian wandering around with a video camera can be, yeah. which is not particularly. Not
0: particularly <laughs> incognito. No. Um, do you feel like your movie will get out to people that you, the, and change people's minds, maybe, <laughs> where you feel like you want to make a change?
1: I, I'm not that confident it will um, I think that the audience for the film is probably people who, who are interested or suspect something around the tea parties but maybe um, aren't quite sure exactly what but don't necessarily agree with the politics I think <laughs> the tea and you know, like pro tea parties you see it would just be like oh here we go there's another left-wing propaganda piece try to say that we're tools of billionaires when we're not uh, you know that's one of the big challenges I think with this kind of thing uh, is you know, do you want to show both sides and, and kind of be the balanced journalist or do you just want to you know show what you think is going on
0: yeah yeah, I know um, it's difficult for me when I get films from uh, maybe my right wing friends when they send me things and uh, I have a hard time watching the whole thing because I get kind of irritated. I imagine people Tea Partiers might feel the same way about your film, uh, or feel that it's uh, <coughs> not necessarily purely a documentary. It's it's also a um, uh, you're trying to make a point, you know, because you have a particular political slant. I don't know. Um, it's difficult to not to put your own signature on it or not to put your own opinions into a documentary film. right? Um, What do you think about the United States and this idea of Tea Party organizations? Are we headed for a civil war? Are we completely polarized? Or What do you think is going to go on here um, with these kind of organizations? Tea Party organizations or or left-wing organizations? Where are we going?
1: Well it's funny. Before this year when a lot of the policies and plans of the billionaires and the kind of right-wing ideologues who don't believe in government. They're trying to get rid of Medicare and health care and the, um, all forms of environmental regulation bodies, um, health and safety bodies, uh, all, you know, get rid of public education, all of that stuff, um, and basically privatise America. I was like, holy shit, these guys have just had all these tea parties um, elected and now they're going to start to get their way and I was pretty scared for the future of America but and I think when you see the reaction of, I don't know, was was there 100,000 people in Wisconsin?
0: Yeah, that's what I understand. It's hard to tell because I don't trust any, any of reports. those. I don't yeah, not trust any numbers up. anymore. Well, when I the, yeah, I mean it's, it's always like who funded this this uh, study or who funded this poll, you know? Yeah. Even so today, you were up here talking, and then some guy said, you know, that poll that you used in your film is funded by big oil. Yeah. And you didn't and that,
1: know. No, exactly. That was something I had a very late in the pace to the film, and so yeah, I got caught out on that. But um, anyway, the point being, there was obviously a sizable reaction to that and, oh, sure. and I think that for me as I, as you know as I've been reading about all that stuff I I think well you know what I reckon that these guys there's a potential that these free market groups, these pro-business groups, I mean the propaganda can only take you so far at some point you're going to have to try and implement the policies mm-hmm. and this is what we're seeing. you know trying to union bust or you know trying to basically have these massive budget def uh, Budget cuts that they're trying to do federally, and people are going to end up going. Actually, you know what? I don't like these policies, and they're yeah, going to yeah. hurt me. And I think the Tea parties will eventually say that. That you know, the propaganda will say yes, you know, freedom, and so we hate socialism and all this sort of stuff. But when they realize the policies, I think that ultimately there's a reason why it's a very, a very small group of billionaires and right-wing ideologues who have um, supported, you know this sort of Austrian school of free market economics, because it's really anti-social for most people, that most people don't trust private enterprise to look after their product safety, mm-hmm. to look after their rivers, their drinking water, their, um, you know, that private education for everyone will not create a subclass of uneducated Americans. And so I think ultimately, because of that, um, that the Tea Parties can't last because eventually... If people who oppose the agenda of those right-wing ideologues... Sorry, I don't mean to get too political. No, no, please. But um, if people who oppose the agenda of those right-wing ideologues are smart about it, I think that they'll be able to switch the Tea Parties on to what the actual nuts and bolts of the agenda that they're... That they're... Um, advocating. Advocating. And I think also, you know, I like back maybe leaving Fox and you know I'm, I'm st- I think people have had enough I think there will be some form of or I hope there will like just the, the vitriol coming out and the disinformation through Fox and, and, and that sort of thing I think you know hopefully that'll settle down um, I think it got pretty awful in the last sort of the year and I'm, I'm hopeful I don't think I don't think the Tea party is a sustainable movement because it's not built it's not it doesn't have real grassroots mm-hmm
0: well I think that uh, we're gonna get to the end here but that is uh, that is. I, th- I think that your movie is important I also uh, applaud you for doing this on your own which is I, I don't think I've interviewed anybody who's done the film completely on their own and actually it's on Link TV right now is that right is yeah
1: that right? Link TV which is on Dish and uh, Satellite Network. Direct TV maybe? Yeah I'm not too sure I uh, think
0: it's on Direct TV um, and where else
1: uh, well, if you go, to, it's on for the. Ne- you can see it for free for. Um,
0: but we'd rather you pay.
1: I'd rather if you, you can. You can see it for free online at the moment, probably till the. Depending on when this podcast goes, up, probably around to the end of April. Um, but also, you can get a DVD from billionairesteaparty.com, and also either way, um, come and join for screening information and other things. If you go to facebookcom party and come and become a fan of the page then you can um, see what else is going on. And I've got some interesting articles coming out about what I'm seeing uh, at the moment as a reflection of some of this propaganda. So come along and check out the page.
0: Cool. Thank you Taki for um, joining me here. He took the time after his film screening and I know he's really busy and probably going around the country showing this thing. Um, I also want to reiterate that this is the National Conference on Media Reform, uh, which is a really important conference. I've learned a lot here about uh, net neutrality, which is um, the idea of keeping the internet in uh, the public's hands, uh, and I think it's really super important. And go go to that website too. Just Google National Conference of Media Reform. And um, at the end of the show, we always do this thing, and I'm throwing this on you right now. But it's called a, a film bite, and what it is is if something something. During the making of your film, that you learned that you want to pass on to people out there that maybe haven't made their first film. Um, do you have anything that might might come to mind? I'm gonna I'm gonna say my film bite just from listening to Taki here. Um, my film bite is. Um, no matter what your resources are, you can do something, whether it be a short film or whether it be a, a long-form film like he's done here uh, with whatever resources you have even if you're you're by yourself you can go out, you can borrow somebody's camera, you can shoot something, you can edit it a lot, a lot of the things that I've learned at this conference too is a lot of times you want to lower your barrier towards making your film so let's say you're like I don't know how to use Final Cut Pro what am I gonna do? Just get a computer that has iMovie on it. Use iMovie. Don't put yourself down because you don't know how to use maybe a more advanced tool. Start doing something with what you can use. You can probably use, you know, there are other tools out there. I don't know what's on the Windows platform, but there are definitely some tools out there that you can use to make films as well, and a lot of them are free. Um, There's also screenwriting uh, tools out there that are free. Uh, There's a program called Celtics that you can get Online and start writing, uh, put together a screenplay. It could be a short film. Don't try and bite off more than you can chew. Just start working, and you might end up with something like this—a film that's being broadcast on television and being seen, you know, all over the country and probably the world.
1: My film bite. Your film bite. Um, okay, my film bite is be prepared and do great research, and then when interesting things come away, you know. You could throw it away and go in a completely different direction if that if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. Cause sometimes yeah, when especially doing what I did, sorry, this is not much of a bite, but um, yeah, it's like people are like, How did you know this event happened? How did you know that event happened? How did you go from here to here to here? It's like because I did a hell of a lot of research beforehand, I knew basically what events were happening. So I was prepared and thoroughly prepared, but also ready to go in the moment, anywhere I had to go. And that was with documentary. And I think if you're doing any sort of observation film like that, I've been in plenty of times where I've been totally unprepared. And when two opportunities arise, you can go this road or this road, you like, freak out. You don't know which to do. Be really prepared. And you can, you know, and it's great. Because then you can sort of follow the interesting stories.
0: Yeah, you know, that's something in acting that they always say. They always say, be prepared and then just throw it away and go with it. yeah really go with what because one of the things I've learned about interviewing as well is when I first started interviewing people I used to make lists of questions like what am I going to ask them but really the questions come out of the interview you listen to the person and then you have a question Um, and so listening and being aware of your surroundings while you're making any kind of a film or any kind of a news item or whatever you're going to be making as far as media goes really paying attention to what's going on in the moment is super important All right, so on that note, um, thank you so much for being here, Taki. My pleasure. All right, and we'll uh, see you next time on Fat-Free Film.